Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Paul used to persecute the church and so that was a reason why, you know, he was, he was looked at with some skepticism. Paul was a strong personality. And so as Paul went in and ministered, Paul would correct doctrine. Paul would tell it like it is. Paul would say, that's wrong. They're wrong. That's not right. Bang. So if you're a false teacher, you don't like Paul. He's an adversary. He's setting us up straight. And so there were lots of opponents. When you're, you're going to stand up for truth, you're going to have opponents. Those that stand for lies are going to oppose you. Today, Pastor Bill will remind you that the truth has many opponents. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul was a strong contender for the truth. There were many people in that day who spread rumors and false truths about Jesus and about Christianity. There were people who had distorted the Word of God, but Paul pulled no punches. Throughout the New Testament, he got right down to business and spoke the truth to those who needed it. Paul was an advocate for the truth, and you can be too. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians. Corinthians chapter 1 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Well, what we do uh, here, we, we call it, it's called expository teaching. That means we go through the Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse, and we do it for good reason. Um, a lot of the New Testament are called epistles or letters. Uh, anybody here, somebody write you a letter. Mostly we start at the beginning of the letter, dear Bill, and we read our way to the end, you know, and even the PS, we read it all the way through. That's how you read a letter. Um, if my wife wrote me a three page letter, I wouldn't open up the page two, go into the middle and read one verse. You know, I would I would want to hear what she said in the beginning. If I did, I might be I might get something out of context. If I just go pick a, a couple of a couple of lines in the middle of page two, I might miss the full context of what she was saying. That's what happens to the Bible a lot of times. That's how come men can stand up in a pulpit and be lying, but have the Bible. They, they're giving you chapter and verse. But they're not giving it to you in context. So one of the reasons we study it chapter by chapter and verse by verse is so that we can read it in context. We can read it the way it was written uh, to the original hearer that we would understand it and interpret it right. Also, we're wanting to encourage you that this will be how you read the Bible. Um, some people devotionally do what, what's called a shotgun method. You know, that means you open your Bible, you go like, eh, boom, and you just hope something good hops off the pages. Um, now, you might read it and get something good. You might open it and, and find, you know, you know, something that's not so edifying. You know, just read it out of context. I, somebody, some pastor I heard said, you know, somebody flipped open to where, where you know, God told someone to do what you do quickly. You know, get, get it done or whatever. So um, we want to read it in context so we understand it right. Um, and our, our heart is that, that people would understand the word. Um, something I find is when I've studied a book in context, then when I hear it out of context, I know that that's not right. I'm like, no, I read that whole book. I know that's not what that meant because I, I read it. I heard it the right way. Um, you know, I, I had at one point somebody challenged me. Uh, our our church is casual in our attire. I'm not here in a three piece suit with some gators on, um, you know, not because, I, you know, I, I guess I could, you know, I, <laughs> I don't necessarily want to have to buy all that kind of stuff for y'all. But, you know, uh, but I had somebody challenge me that, you know, you, you're supposed to dress up for church, you know, and I said, well, let's let's let, let me see it in the word. Let's 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 sit down and have this conversation. Show me in the scriptures. I'm, I'm bound to the, the word of God. I would do what it says. And they went to Leviticus which was great because we had just went through Leviticus and they went to Leviticus and they were like, look, you know, they, they showed me what the priest had to wear and the priest had an outfit that he had to wear. It was a very ornate outfit that would distinguish him as a priest. But I said, okay, well, that's to the, the Levites who were priests 
and Levite servants in the temple in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant. Like none of that applies to a New Testament pastor. So I said, so that would be out of context to look at what he's wearing. I'm not getting ready to sacrifice animals either. So all of that, would, it just doesn't. It, so I don't have to I don't have to heed that. Then for me, I look to the New Testament. And if you guys know the story, when Judas was going to betray Jesus, remember, he was going to betray him. And the people that he was going to sell Jesus out to said, hey, when we get where we're going, how will we know that it's him? He didn't say it's going to be the one with the coldest robe the super fly gold platinum sandals, you know. Judas said, the one that I kiss on the cheek. Jesus was so calm and he looked like everybody else. I'm gonna have to walk over and kiss him on the cheek for you to know who he is. And so when I look at that, if, if Jesus wasn't distinguished by dress or some physical characteristic, then I'm, I'm good. I'm good with just, you know, casual attire. Anyway, so things like that. We want to be able to know the word in context. So that's why we read it chapter by chapter and verse by verse. And my heart as a pastor is that I don't, I don't count. I don't know that I have everybody forever. But if I can help people, we go through the words, so many sections of scripture that people would walk away and say, now I know that book. I went through that whole book. Um, so far, we've been going six years. Uh, we covered, we've hopped around the New Testament. So Sunday mornings we did, the first book we did was Jonah. We did it again. We did Ephesians. We did um, Acts. We did First Corinthians before we came here. We did Romans, Hebrews, James, the whole book of Revelation, um, every chapter, every verse, every word went all the way through them. If you're interested in any of those are online, you can go back and listen to them for free. They're there. Um, Old Testament. You guys are with us Thursday nights. We did Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, which were really God bless you guys that hung in there. Leviticus and Numbers. That was that's, what, that's, that's tough terrain. That's that's where a lot of people just say, I can't do this. But we did it. <laughs> I was merciful and said, when we started here, we'd skip Deuteronomy and we're in Joshua. I, I got to get to the promised land. So uh, last Wednesday night, we started Joshua. But I encourage you guys that we would go through the Bible together, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. The Bible reading that Pastor Gabe was talking about, uh, every year as a church, we read through the Bible. Um, the bookmarks go out. The readings are on the church app. And it's an encouragement for us to together. Um, every day, there's an Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm and a Proverb, and we're reading through the Bible. Um, it will equip us that we wouldn't be victims of false teachers. We wouldn't be victims of, there are a lot of cults and groups that love people that believe in the Bible, but don't know it. Jehovah's Witnesses, they love if you believe in the Bible, but don't know it. Mormons, the, the college kids are getting hit up by this Church of Christ cult that keeps renaming themselves, but they're a cult. Um, they love people that believe in the Bible and love Jesus, but don't know nothing. They'll tell you. They'll go ahead and tell you a whole bunch of lies real quick. So my job, is to, is to do my best to equip us and that the best way to be equipped is to go straight through it. Amen? Amen. Now we'll start. So before we moved here, we went through the whole book of 1 Corinthians. That was Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth. If you guys were with us, it was a corrective letter. The church of Corinth was a jacked up church. Um, they had sexual sin that was rampant. It was said that the sexual sin in that church was worse than what the world was doing. You had a guy that was sleeping with his dad's wife, stepmom. And the church was like, that's cool. You know, we're progressive. Um, Sounds like some mess today. I, I, could, I could go there, but I won't go there. So, um, but Paul had to say, y'all need to deal with that. That's not okay. That's not, that doesn't glorify God that y'all allow that in your midst. And so he corrected that. He corrected their misuse of the spiritual gifts. Uh, he was correcting the fact that they're believers and they're fighting amongst each other and going to court before non-believing judges. 
He said, you guys can't judge between yourselves. Go to one of the elders. Work that stuff out as believers. And so the whole letter of 1 Corinthians was a lot of correction. Three chapters because they were abusing the spiritual gifts. Chapter 12, 13, and 14. They bring some, some kind of uh, clarity to the use of spiritual gifts in the body. And so Paul wanted them to understand that they were abusing them and all these sorts. They were misusing the communion. They were coming to communion and getting drunk and overeating and, you know, people were getting left out. So it was a whole letter of correction. Here's the upside to that. And he dealt with the, the resurrection, which was also important. That God would spend that entire letter correcting a, a really messed up church because he still loved them. God didn't look at him and say, y'all are messed up. I'm moving on. Galatians, I'm going to Galatia. You know, he said, I love you guys. Some of y'all have been part of, you know, we're, if you're Christians, you're part of the church. And you don't have to admit it, but some of y'all have been a messed up part of the church. Maybe, maybe, maybe even right now. But at some point in time, some of us have been, we're saved, we're in, but you ain't right. You know, that, 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 then God is gracious and merciful. He loves us and he'll correct us. He'll teach us how to get it right. Give us opportunity to repent and turn back to him. So that was first Corinthians. Here's the cool thing. As you come to second Corinthians, we find that they heeded what Paul said. Paul followed up with him. It's about a year later. And they've they've taken his counsel. They've they've responded well. And so now this letter takes on a different tone. It's not really a correction. Paul is pouring out his heart. It's a lot of ministry in this letter. A lot of Paul sharing personal things from his own heart. Um, This letter takes on a totally different tone than first Corinthians for that reason. So let's 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 start it now. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse one says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. To the church, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are uh, with all the saints who are in all Achaia. So Paul opens up this letter and says, look, I'm Paul. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Now, Paul opened up letters different ways. Some letters Paul would open up and say, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, because you all know that Paul wrote some of his letters from prison. Uh, he had the first prison ministry, you know, the, and he would write I mean, in prison instead of complaining. He's writing letters to encourage other believers. So that was great. And other places, Paul will open up the letter and say, Paul, a bond servant, doulos, bond slave of Jesus Christ. I'm a servant of the Lord. Here, Paul says, hey, I'm Paul, an apostle. Why is that? This is why. Within the Corinthian church, there were people that were coming in and challenging Paul's authority as an apostle. I got to explain what an apostle is because we have a lot of mess going on today. So I must first say what an apostle is not. So in some of our churches, this is what happens. You get a man that was a minister, a reverend, and then, then he becomes a pastor. Now he's a pastor. Then he graduates to become a bishop. Now he's a bishop. Then when that's no longer a big enough title, um, you know, you get a board of people to vote you up to be an apostle. You do a big ceremony, throw a big shebang, and now you become apostle. Change my name. Call me apostle. Um, I'm going to just tell you why that's foolery, right? The, now, in the New Testament, the word pastor and bishop and elder are synonymous. They all speak to the same office, someone that's a pastor teacher in that ministry within the church. Am I a big deal because I'm the pastor of the church? I am not a big deal. Who is the big deal whenever we gather? Jesus. And if we do it right, that's, he'll always be the big deal. I can't be the big deal because I'm not available 24-7. I don't know everything. I didn't die for you. I didn't rise from the grave. I, I'm, just, I just, I'm a part of the body like you guys. This is my gift. Y'all have other gifts. And if we bring all our gifts together, we got a jamming body of believers. That's the goal, right? So nobody gets to be a big deal. Jesus gets to be a big deal if we do it right. So titles and names and all those sorts of things... 
you know, they, they shouldn't be that big of a deal for us when we come together. They have importance. Paul is saying, I'm an apostle because Jesus called me to be one. And again, I'll explain what it meant. But it doesn't mean what we make it out to be today. You know, that this guy is, you know, I'm an apostle. That means I'm over this many pastors, this many people, this many things. That's that's man-made stuff. The word apostle literally means this, sent out one. These are men that were specifically sent out by Jesus. So here's a unique thing. The, 12, the disciples who became the first apostles, they had all received the gospel directly from Jesus, right? Direct connect. So when the Bible speaks of apostolic authority, it's saying these men got it straight from Jesus. So we got we're getting a pure vein of communication that it wasn't handed down from three different teachers over many years. They got the word straight from Jesus. They have apostolic authority. Paul was unique because Paul got saved after the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. If you remember on the road to uh, the road to Damascus, he was on his way to persecute Christians and God met him on that road. The, the, the risen Christ came and met Paul on that road, led him to salvation. Paul had an encounter with the living Christ after he died, buried, was resurrected. God sent him out. God said he's going to be an apostle. He's going to speak to kings and leaders and everything else. And so Paul's ministry was unique in that he was one that God met in that way. Now Paul was actually sent out. Paul, you don't see him in one place. He's going everywhere he's going, ministering the gospel to people that need to hear it. So when Paul says, I'm Paul, an apostle, a sent out one. I was sent out by Jesus Christ. Why is he saying that? Because they were challenging him. There were people that didn't like Paul. There were people that kept digging up Paul's past. Paul used to persecute the church. And so that was a reason why, you know, it was, he was looked at with some skepticism. Paul was a strong personality. And so as Paul went in and ministered, Paul would correct doctrine. Paul would tell it like it is. Paul would say, that's wrong. They're wrong. That's not right. Bang. So if you're a false teacher, you don't like Paul. He's an adversary. He's setting us up straight. And so there were lots of opponents. When you're if you're going to stand up for truth, you're going to have opponents. Those that stand for lies are going to oppose you. And so Paul to the Corinthians said, guys, I need you to know I'm an apostle. I didn't make it up. I didn't choose to be one. I didn't have people vote me one. Jesus made me do it. He made me an apostle. That's literally saying. So Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. So God willed that I would be this. And that's important. Uh, next, and Timothy, our brother. To the church of God, which is at Corinth with all the saints which are in Achaia. So Timothy is with him. Uh, the letter is written to the church of God that's at Corinth uh, with all the saints that are in all Achaia. Saints here is another word. Um, in our Catholic church, they, they, they misunderstand what it is. So when the Bible calls someone a saint, does that mean that you're in an elevated position of, you know, that, you know, you died and now you were you did a really good works and you died. And now you get to be Saint Bill or whatever. No, every single one of you that's born again is a saint. Um, you're, 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 you're one of his. You're, we're all saints. I'm Saint Bill. You know, that's Saint, you know, Jermaine or whatever. Like we're we all would classify as saints in that regard. So Paul said, look, this is written to all the saints who are in all the chaos. It's not a you don't become one when you die. You can be one when you get born again. Then he opens up with his opening salutation that he gives everybody. Grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, getting what you don't deserve. Paul's opening salutations. He's greeting people with, you know, just reaching out, greeting them with, you know, people that have received what you don't deserve from God. You know, grace to you. God's unmerited favor to you. And just that would be a great way to greet one another. You know, may, may you enjoy everything good that God has for you that you don't deserve. 
today is essentially what he's saying. Um, and everybody here that, that has the gospel, that has, that's, we have received that grace from God. We received goodness from God that was undeserved, unmerited. Um, that, should, that should make us a humble group, guys. None of us here deserved it, right? God's been good to me because God's good, grace. I received what I don't deserve from him. Grace to you. And one of the, one of the responses, when you've been a person that's a recipient of grace, you got peace with God. So he says grace and peace. He never said it the other way around because you don't have peace till you understand grace. You don't understand grace, you'll be under legalism, you'll be in bondage to your, you'll be bummed out about your failure, you'll be wondering if you're good enough, wondering if God will accept you. When you understand grace, you realize I was never good enough, I'm still not good enough, and I only have it because he gives it to those that don't deserve it. You just become a good recipient of grace. It's, it's, it saves you from legalism, and it saves you from un, undue condemnation. Um, because anybody here that's walking with the Lord, guaranteed, I can say this is true for all of us, that none of us are doing this with 100% perfection. We all are falling short. We're failing from time to time. Some of us is like, not time to time, every time, you know. But we're, we're, not, we're not there yet, you know. We're not perfected yet. So we entered in by grace, and we continue by grace. And the only way we'll ever make it is by grace. And when I understand grace, I get to have peace. Grace to you and peace from, from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And now he begins in verse three, uh, minister. And I titled today's message, The God of All Comfort. Um, pretty much from verses three to, uh, we're going to cover all the way to verse 11 today. Um, but Paul is going to deal with comfort, uh, the comfort of God, um, how, how it is that God ministers to our needs in ways that only he can and I thought it was interesting that he's opening up this letter. The last letter was corrective. A year has gone by. He's got feedback on how they're doing. And so, you know, this he did his opening, you know, grace to you guys, peace to you guys. But it's interesting to me that first thing he wants to talk to them about, he knows they've been going through it. He knows it's been difficult. He knows they've been challenged in some areas. And Paul's first thing he wants to do is minister comfort to them. Um, and I think that's great. One of the things that you'll find, anybody here that decides to walk with the Lord, um, you're going to find that there are challenges, that there's opposition, and at times it's difficult. Um, it's, it's a lie that gets preached a lot. People say, you know, if you come to Christ, God's just going to fix everything. Everything's going to be great. You just come to the Lord. He's going to bless you. You're going to get that job you want. You're single. You'll be married. You're married. You'll be single. You know, people act like if, if you just, that's what, you know, this, act like if you just come to God, everything is just going to be great. And um, anybody that's come to God and walk with God, can y'all say that, can I get an amen that that's not how it goes? Sometimes what ends up happening is you come to God and get real with him and walk with him and it's like, I got opposition I've never had before. I got new enemies. I have, I I, I got difficulty that I didn't have. Some people despair of the difficulty and quit. That's why that false gospel is a, it's a, it's a real damning and damaging thing to people because if I come to Christ based on a message that says, if I come to Christ, everything's going to be made better. Then when I come to Christ, everything gets worse. And then I'm like, God, let me down. I tried God. It didn't work. I came to him and he, my marriage fell apart. My kids started acting up. I lost my job. My dog died and my car got flats. You know, it would be discouraging. But if I come to Christ understanding this, what do we come to Christ for? One thing, salvation. We was going to hell. We were lost. We were separated from God. We had the sentence of death in us. We were walking dead. We were separated. Hell was our home. We needed help. We needed forgiveness. When I come to Christ, I get forgiven of my sins. The guarantee that I will not go to hell. 
but I will go to heaven. God becomes my father. I become his kid. I got a relationship with the living God. The Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside me, convict me of sins, lead me into all truth, help me walk this thing out, empower me to do what I can't do on my own strength. I got a relationship with the living God. That's what I get. I don't get perfect, perfect life. I don't get perfect circumstances. Do we know that? You guys know that? Okay. Well, if we don't, I want you to know it. So I, I want to give you the truth. So now look at verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies and the God of all comfort. And so he opens up and says, hey, blessed be. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And it's interesting here, he looks at God the Father. We, we know that you can find in Scripture where in John 14, the Holy Spirit was the comforter. In 1 John chapter 2, the, 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 the son, Jesus, was the, the paraclete to come alongside and help. And here he says, it's God the Father that comes alongside and comforts us and helps us. Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. I just want you to consider the picture of God that you have in your mind. Some people picture God as a God that's looking to get you. God is looking for an opportunity to punish you or penalize you. Some people think, if, man, God is just up there with his bat waiting for the next time you to mess up. So, wah, he can just smack you every time. If he did that, we would be repeatedly being smacked and smacked <laughs> and smacked. That's what would happen. So that's obviously not the case. God's not waiting to get you. Um, it's not the baseball bat that brings you to God. It's the goodness of God. That brings us to repentance. And so um, be careful what your image of him is. He says here, the father of all the, 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 the God and father of the, our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He's a merciful God and he comes with comfort to come alongside and to help you. Um, what is mercy? Mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. Everybody here that's received Christ, we deserve hell, but we don't get what we deserve. We get heaven. Amen. If God never did nothing else, we can, we can, get, we can thank him for that until we, until we make it there. Amen? Um, but he does so much more. But, he, but that would be enough, right? That's been the mercy of God, not getting what we deserve. I deserve that, but I, I'm not getting the punishment that I deserve. Um, all of us want mercy, and we look to God. God's the one that can give mercy. Uh, but something God desires to do in our lives is as we're recipients of mercy, God wants us to be a merciful people. Um, some Christians are very unforgiving and unmerciful, though we receive so much mercy. Um, when we, when I cry out to God, sorry, best up, forgive me. Ah, you know, he, he's merciful. He forgives me over and over and over. Some of us, though, somebody mess up and say sorry. No, 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 that's the last time. You know, you're not going to do me like that. You know, we, that, that's, that's my limit. But you, that's the second time you told me that, you know, whatever. We could be an unmerciful people. I, I challenge us as parents, be careful what our kids we're merciful. We're recipients of mercy. We got to be, it's got to be balanced. Um, merciful don't mean that we don't deal with stuff, but it's got to be balanced. I got to be merciful sometimes. Uh, we pray about how we deal with the things that come up with our kids. Sometimes they need a butt whoop. You know, there are times where I prayed and God said, no, this is, this is going to be this. They need this broken. This is going to be a trend that needs to be broken up. Go on and get the belt. And that's what I do. But I've had times where I prayed and God is like, you know what? This would be a great opportunity to teach them about mercy. Um, they'll, they'll receive it too. I, I've sat down with one of them. I won't name which of my kids, but I sat down and said, look, and he knew I, had, I brought the instrument of discipline with me. I sat it on my lap, <laughs> sat down and had the conversation 
And, you know, the eyes were welling up. The, the sorrow for sin was all over his face. And I said, you know, and, and when I explained mercy, I said, did you get mercy this time? But then the next time he wanted it again, I said, no, this, this time you get judgment, son. So God knows what we need and when we need it. And um, he is a merciful God. He's a God of all mercies. And well, he's a God of mercy and the God of all comfort. Thanks for joining us here on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. This letter was written by Paul to the Corinthians sometime after he had lived in Corinth. He had an intimate knowledge of the church there. So Paul felt led to write another letter to these people, expressing some personal things that he learned on his journey and in his ministry. It would seem that some in the Corinthian church criticized Paul's leadership, and so he found it necessary to defend himself to this church. Communicating this type of message is something that's beneficial at times when you feel misunderstood or misrepresented. Any one of us can face those situations at times too, and so discussing it with the other party is useful. We're so glad you tuned into A Transforming Word, and we'd love to meet you. If you're in the Inglewood area, come join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday, and you can get more information on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. You can always call or text us, too, for more information, 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time for another edition of A Transforming Word.